Today is the 16th of February, 2021. And uh, so we've come to sit in meditation, training our minds. And this training of the mind is very important. And uh, you can ask yourself, well, what is this mind? It's a knowing element, but it's something that we come to attach to. And all feelings that arise within it, and we take those as being me and mine. Um, the Buddha taught, however, that this jitta, this mind, is just this knowing element that receives the sense impressions. And uh, the body is that which passes the sense impressions on to the mind. It uh, takes in the forms, the sounds, etc., and brings them to the heart. And uh, then these Dhamma Aramanas, they arise within the mind. And so when the mind already cognizes these, when it's already, um, when it already receives these, um, then if we don't, if we have mindfulness and wisdom, we won't attach to any of it. Because we know that once we have attached, this becomes a cause for suffering to arise. This knowing element, however, has had avidya or ignorance in it for a very long time now. There's been this delusion present uh, within it uh, for very long. And within each life into which we get born, we take everything as being me and mine. And this view is very deeply embedded within the hearts. And so this avidya um, not knowing, or another way we could put it is avijja is a habit. It's uh, that which, that habit that gives us the understanding that physicality and mentality is me and mine. And so there's uh, this habit which gives rise to attachment, and from that attachment we gain suffering. Um, and so it's natural that when this attachment is there, when we've been uh, born, then there's old age, sickness and death, there's sorrow, lamentation, pain, grief and despair, all these different kinds of dukkha. And it arises because of this upadana, this attachment or clinging. And then this goes and becomes the cause for becoming, for birth. However, none of us wants to experience dukkha, stress. There's not a single person in the world who wants to suffer. Even animals don't want to experience suffering. But this comes up due to causes and conditions. And when those causes and conditions cease, then that suffering ceases. But when they're there, then that suffering needs to be present. So this knowing element, it doesn't really have a clear understanding. And that's because we've accumulated attachments for a very, very long time now. Whenever we receive any sense impressions, then the knee-jerk reaction of the mind is to attach to them, to take it all as self. And we get the feeling that if we don't attach or identify with any of it, 
then we won't know where our hearts are going to stay. We won't know where the mind's going to reside. So we feel like we need to go and cling on to all of it. And that's how attachment works. But it gives rise to suffering. And when we see that this attachment does give rise to suffering, then we won't want to attach. And that's because we've seen the drawbacks in it. And so why are our minds deluded in this way? Um, Even though we may see the nature of attachment, why do we still keep following on with it? And uh, we need to give rise to knowledge. We need to gain knowledge for our minds. And um, we have this delusion um, that's been present since we were born. And uh, it's something that we have even gained from our parents, from our mothers and fathers, uh, that we uh, depend upon them. And they kind of have this delusion and we receive uh, their views as well. And we also depend upon the elements that we gain from our parents. And uh, the earth, the water, the fire and the air that we receive from them. And these uh, start to develop and uh, they form into cells and then these cells expand. Then they give rise to different organs in our bodies. This is what we refer to as physical growth. So our mothers and fathers, uh, they have this delusion. They think in terms of self that they themselves exist and this is my child. And then when we're born, we think that This is me, this body is me, and this is my mother, this is my father, this is my brother and sister, and this is my friends. And that I am a person, or I am a human. And we gain this kind of understanding. But then, perhaps, a teacher or a monk tells us about not-self, and it's really difficult for us to understand that. Because right from the moment we were born, We've taken things in terms of self. It's been with us for a very long time. Then someone tells us that really these things are not self and our hearts can't accept that. And Lumpur Cha gave a comparison, something that's easy to understand. He said it's like we build a house. We've got the land there already and we build a home upon it. And perhaps it takes six months or one year for us to finish that house. And when it's been built, we decorate it, we furnish it. We make it a very nice place for us to stay in. Um, And so I'm the home that is strong and a comfortable place to live. But then one day someone comes along and they tell us, this house of yours, it's no good. You should pull it down, you should take it apart. But we've already built this house and it's taken us a long time. And someone tells us that this is no good. So how are they going to convince us that really we should pull this house down? How are they going to tell us that so that we follow their instructions? Is that something that's easy for them to do or is it going to be difficult? So this is a comparison to our bodies. So these bodies are the homes of our hearts. And uh, someone comes and says to us that this body, it's not really you or yours. Is it going to be easy for them to convince us of that? 
just like someone trying to tell us to dismantle our house. We get the feeling, well, where are we going to live then? It's really not going to be easy for them to convince us to do that. And so this feeling that is really deeply embedded in us, that this collection of four elements is me, is something that's difficult for us to abandon. And even though we may know intellectually that it's just a collection of cells, it's tough to to really understand that. We have the cells that make up the brain, the cells of the bones, the cells of the blood. And everything in this body is a collection of cells. So which type of cell is me? The cells in the brain, are they me? What about the blood cells? Are they me? But we get the feeling that all of this is me. It's all mine. And uh, before I use my thoughts to contemplate um, in terms of wisdom, I thought, well, how about uh, 300 cc of blood? If we take that out of the body, then it's quite easy to see that that blood is not me. But when it's inside my body, then it's very difficult. It's very difficult to tell myself that the blood within the body is not me or mine, so that the heart accepts that. Because this feeling of self is really deeply ingrained. So using our thoughts in this way can give us knowledge to one degree, and it's something that's still quite good to gain this degree of knowledge. Um, but, but then still the mind comes and attaches to this body. Um, it still takes it as a self. So we need to train our hearts um, to give rise to steady mindfulness so that our samadhi can become well established. We come to contemplate the breath as it comes and leaves and seeing it just as an element that's arising and ceasing. And then we can gain knowledge into the non-self of it. We can see that all things are not me, they're not mine. They just stay here uh, temporarily. And we need to use them temporarily. We need to depend upon them. Um, But we also need to gain an inner refuge as well, something that we can depend on in our own hearts. And so we take up this practice of abandoning evil, of giving rise to skillfulness. And just and we put our efforts in, in this way, just like how when we work, we need to use our mindfulness and wisdom. And uh, we need to use this in our studies as well, so we can gain success in those activities. And it's the same with this path that leads out of suffering, that we're able to free ourselves from suffering due to our sincerity due to our efforts. Because even in worldly ways, in order to gain success, we need effort to do that. So if we don't bring up effort, then there's no way that we can gain true knowledge. uh, Because the kilesas are engulfing our hearts in darkness. And there are these things which are present, which stop the mind from gaining peace, what we call the nivaranas or the hindrances. And whenever we perceive a form, we hear a sound, um, then we don't 
understand that or we don't know it in line with its truth, but rather we take it personally. We take it as a me or a mine. So there's this, um, the pleasure that we find in sensuality, the anger, the aversion that arises in our hearts, the scatteredness, the worry, the doubts that we have. And these are all dhammas, these are all mental phenomena which arise, but they also cease, even the unskillful phenomena arise and cease. So when there's contact, this gives rise to feeling, and feeling goes on to uh, craving. And no matter whether it's pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral feeling, um, craving arises as a consequence of that. And this happens very, very quickly. And even though we may know this to one degree, still the kilesas are there within our hearts, and they've been there for a very long time. Or if we talk about it in another way, we could say that the kilesas arise in the present moment. So just like how if there's a lime that's there, and the substances within the lime that give the flavor of sourness are present, but if those chemicals don't come into contact with our tongue, then we don't taste any sour flavor. Or just like something with sugar in it, um, if that doesn't contact our tongue, we don't feel any sweetness. But rather these are things that we need to experience in the present moment. So if we have a mindfulness established in this present moment, then we see arising and, and ceasing happening in the present moment as well, and we understand the Dhamma right here and now. We see that all things are inconstant, they're stressful, um, they're not me. And we change our old views into new views. Our delusion uh, turns into knowledge. But in the beginning, this knowledge arises little by little. It's not that we see everything clearly all at once. If we have sufficient barami, this is possible, actually. Just like during the time of the Buddha, that people listened to his teachings and they could understand uh, the Dhamma right there. Understand it to anatta right there, to see the Dhamma. Just like Lady Visaka, at the age of seven, she was able to see into the Dhamma. And there were some novices who, at seven years old, attained to arahantship. What this shows is that they, their barami was already full that in this life, as a young child, they could attain to the Dhamma, but in their previous lives, they had uh, cultivated the Bharami for a very long time already, in order to be able to attain at a young age. And so what about us? We're not able to see the Dhamma like that all at once. It occurs slowly, but surely, little by little. But as we carry on practicing, uh, sati, get stronger, our samadhi develops, and we will be able to know, we will be able to see, to understand with clarity. So there's no need to doubt about these things. So there is this sakaya ditti, this wrong view of self that is very deeply embedded. And uh, when the mind comes into the body, 
Um, it attaches to every single cell in this body as being mine. All these cells that we gain from our mother and father, um, we attach to them, but we also do need to depend upon them. Our minds depend upon them. However, it takes all of it as being me and mine. But really, we just borrow this body from the world. Just like how we may be born in a house. And our mother and father, they rent that house. But we don't know that. No one's told us that. And we were born there and we stayed there for a very long time, for our whole lives. So we think that this is my home. And um, we take the home and everything within it as being me and mine, and no one tells us that really we've, it's just a rented house. We've stayed there our entire lives. And so this is an external comparison, uh, but we can draw links to this body um, that we've attached to, that we have this great attachment to. And even though sometimes it doesn't work so well, Perhaps uh, maybe some nerves get pinched and one of our limbs goes numb. We don't have any feeling of our leg or our arm, for instance. But still, we think that that's my leg, that's my arm. But if we understand in line with truth, in line with nature, we'll see, we'll see that things are just this way. This is just a natural thing and that it's not me. So if the body's functioning well, then we experience uh, different feelings, physical sensations. But if there are problems in the body, then we don't experience those sensations. We need to use our kamatana, our meditation object, to bring our minds to peace. And this is a really high form of merit. Because it's able to change our views from wrong views into right views. It becomes the means for us to see with clarity. And when we do this, then we won't be born into this world eight more times. There'll be at most seven times, but no eighth time. And within those seven lives, we'll attain to the Dhamma. If we don't gain this clear understanding, however, then the lives that we're born into this world will be many. And within each life, um, we meet with uh, difficulties in that life. And then we have to toss everything away, everything that we gain in this life, we have to leave. If we have a lot, then we leave behind a lot. If we have a little, then we throw away a little. And for those with intelligence, however, they'll come to train. They'll understand that the external wealth that we gain, it doesn't stay with us for very long. So we need to come to find internal wealth. But it's not the case, however, that we don't bother at all with external wealth because it is necessary for um, our lives, for us to maintain our lives. We do need to depend upon it. And the monks need to depend upon the wealth that uh, the laity share. So it is something that's uh, necessary but what's of great importance is that we find this inner wealth, that we seek out our own hearts, that we gain knowledge, 
So the Buddha taught um, us to practice in this way, uh, to see things as not self. But why is it that we take things as a self? In order to overcome this, uh, we can use our thoughts to contemplate, use wisdom to give rise to samadhi, to see all things as being empty. And why is it that we can see things as being empty? Well, it's because everything is already empty. It's already that way. If physicality and mentality weren't empty, then we wouldn't be able to see it as being empty. But really, nature is this way. It's just that we need to bring up wisdom within ourselves in order to see that. And in order for wisdom to arise, it needs to depend upon mindfulness and samadhi. So we cultivate merit or kusala within our hearts and uh, do this until it reaches a state of completion. Initially, we do this through generosity and morality. We build up arami in this way. And uh, these qualities of generosity and morality are what bring the mind to peace, what take it to a divine state. And then we come to train in meditation uh, in order to overcome the hindrances, in order to defeat the scattered uh, nature of our mind. And these five hindrances, they're very old friends. They're something that our minds don't want to be separated from. So what we need to do is get some new friends. Uh, the friends of samadhi. We can take the breath as our friend. We take up a meditation, take this as our new close friends, in order to abandon our other friends and to, to give up other things. So we bring our minds to be collected within the meditation object. And uh, when we do this, then the, friend of, the friends of the five hindrances, they won't stay together with us. So we train ourselves like this, and uh, in the process of this training, the heart gathers together, it reaches a state of rapture, of inner contentment. And uh, there's this peace, uh, this happiness there within the heart. And then we will gain an understanding of the benefits of meditation, and we'll want to train ourselves in it. Uh, we'll want to gain clear understanding. And then when we meet with this, we feel as though it's something that's really amazing. Even just perceiving external things as being anatta is an uh, amazing experience. The mind goes through rapture. It's very bright for many days and nights. And we'll get the feeling that all of the wealth in this world, it doesn't have any value for us. We won't really want to gain it for ourselves. But what we'll be after is attaining to the Dhamma. <clears throat> that this has far more value. We realize that it's better for us to seek out the Dhamma, for us to make our minds pure. And so if we see with clarity um, one time, then the mind reaches the level of a sotapanna. And if we see it two times, then it reaches sakadagami, and three times anagami. And then when this mind experiences full purity, it reaches the state of an arahant. And then the pure knowing element arises. 
However, in the beginning, we take all things as being mine. But the self is something we need to abandon in stages. So I ask for all of you to really be sincere in this training, uh, to give it your best shot in this life. Because the time we have left is not long. The past 30 years or 40 years, they've gone by very, very quickly. So may all of you really bring up your efforts, um, really try to give rise to wisdom. So you can gain an understanding of the elements that have collected together all these cells, that really these aren't me. Um, Their nature is for them to be that way. It's just that we need to understand their true nature and let go of these things. Let them follow their own nature. So may all of you set your hearts in this way.